0: You're
1: listening to Whoa Hot Lak Uh fuck, Dugging uh, yeah. Killer Queen Lovin', lovin'. You with that bitch look like We're cool best cousin Black hugging yeah. Bitches like in danger Saber two saga i am a motherfucking yellow like ranger. ranger Yeah, yeah. and I for fina just so a Hey everyone, welcome back to First of All, a real and focused conversation about career, family, love, and all things non-culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. Thank you for coming back for episode 24. I'm so excited. I just got back from Sundance, so I'm reconfiguring my brain right now to become a normal human. But I'm really excited to be with you guys and to to introduce my special guest this week to talk about one of my favorite things I could talk about for days, uh... My special guest this week is Tiffany Sue, who is a filmmaker who I've gotten to know over the past, like not even years, it's been like a few months only, um, who had a documentary premiere at Sundance. She's incredible. And our topic this week is imposter syndrome. So... Welcome to, first of all, Tiffany. Thanks, Minji. Thank you for having me. Of course. How are you feeling? Like I shouldn't be here. Why? See, this is why. Okay, first no, of all, kidding. she's incredible. This woman has... Uh, I, I get to hype woman up, my guess. But uh, the reason I got to know Tiffany was that she was... Uh, HBO has a really incredible program called the APA, Asian Pacific American Visionaries Program for emerging APA filmmakers. They wanted to create a platform so that you know more voices and people of color can get the opportunity to get their work out there and so tiffany came into my universe last spring but i didn't get to meet you till later. but you came into my universe through that and you became one of the top finalists um to win that this uh first ever premiere of the hbo apa visionaries marvin my sound engineer he raved about you and your film wonderland uh, which is about a mother daughter in vegas and dealing with issues of gambling and growing up and all these things so then yeah and then you came speak at the conference that collaboration organized called empower so i finally got to meet you in november yeah and it's been amazing ever <laughs> since then <laughs> timothy is there anything i missed like do you ever, do you want to share anything about yourself or like where you come from i love that my people get to know who my guests are because it just helps bring context to like everything that we discussed is there are yeah i mean where'd you grow up things like that sure
0: so uh, i think that I think this is a thing that you you find a lot with Asian American people. But so I grew up in Wisconsin. My um, family was there for twenty years. Um, uh and our family was maybe the only Asian family for a hundred miles. I think I remember my brother and sister. As far yeah, as can see. Yeah. My brother and sister are 10 and 13 years older than I am. And I still remember when I went through elementary school, everybody knew that I was their younger sister because there were no other Asian people. There's no other point of connection. No I other know. point of connection. They're like, oh, you're Asian. You must be related to Evelyn and Wellington. Um, Wellington. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, my brother's name. Um, and he's <laughs> badass. My brother and sister are the most badass people that I know. Um, yes. So so I was born in Wisconsin, uh, was there until I was 10. I did kindergarten in Taiwan for for because my grandfather was sick. So that was interesting. And then I when I was 10, I moved to Irvine or Asian Pleasantville. And I will say that oh. um in all of these places I have experienced feeling very much like the other. Mm-hmm. So in Wisconsin obviously, you know, only Asian person um people, but it was funny cuz when I was there, I thought (laughs) sounds super nerdy but because i could speak a different language and because there were no other people who looked like me i was like damn being chinese is awesome it's like a superpower nobody else can understand (laughs) what i'm saying this is fantastic silver linings y'all silver linings cut to going to kindergarten in taiwan where i realized oh you don't speak chinese that well and number two other people don't like you because you're weird and you can't speak the language so (laughs) so you're other there So I'm totally the other way there. In fact, I actually experienced the worst bullying of my life when I'm in Taiwan um, because like it's super embarrassing. Can't really speak. And like this woman, I remember, no, not woman, another girl. She must have been like seven, I guess, if I was five, um, like still remember like the past, you know, when you get pastels and they're all pretty and perfect,
1: perfect. Nobody's used them. I got mine. I was like,
0: oh, my God, these are beautiful. And she came over and stepped on mine.
1: And I was like, You got mean girl so young. That's so, terrible. So, so
0: so much. And I was like, Oh man, I must be accepted by this community. Now, so oh. So that started young. And then when I moved to Irvine, suddenly I was like, Whoa, 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 hold up. I'm in America, but no longer like being Chinese, definitely not a superhero thing because everybody here is Asian. And I don't know what that means. I'm
1: not (laughs) special.
0: I'm not special. I don't. What was going on? And like, that's a whole, it's a whole other world there, though. I like, you know, my friends that I made in Irvine, I still know and grow up with. And one of my friends just got married. And it was kind of cool to have the experience of feeling like it was a superpower and then go to a place where it wasn't. But then I got to not feel self-conscious about being Asian, and suddenly being Asian was just what everybody else was. And, and then it
1: involves a different part of you. Then you just, like, you step out of that frame of mind that and then in a mind. different thing.
0: Granted, when we started, I was still weird because they were like, wait, you use weird words. Like, what's a bubbler? And... You went to a, you lived in a place where there was snow? Like, there's all of that. <laughs> oh yeah, in um, SoCal
1: it's like its own special bubble. Exactly.
0: So I guess I think what all that to say is that I understand the feeling of being other or being in between or not really belonging and right. and that kind of I think defines a lot of the Immigrant child of immigrant experience, right,
1: right, and I, I think there's we have a lot of parallels in terms of like moving to different places. I grew up in the Bay where it was super diverse, and I grew up there till eighth grade. And eighth grade, I feel like is one of the most awful years that you could like pick your child up and move them to a completely new universe, which is what happened. But ultimately, you know, as an adult, I can say that was one of the best things that ever happened to me to like transform my world. Um, I went put my family through hell because of that, but. Made my life interesting and um, that same feeling of being other and going. I I literally lived in a city called Pleasanton, which was essentially Pleasantville when I moved there. It's pretty different now, but it's it's very like sleepy suburban, very white city. Um, Just, you know, and the whole imposter syndrome thing kind of like for anybody who's listening and doesn't really know the definition, I kind of wanted to like Webster this or Wikipedia it. But imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon, fraud syndrome or the imposter experience, is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. So it's just this pervasive feeling like whatever I'm getting is because you don't know who I really am. That's familiar. Yeah, pretty familiar. And I think that's such a relatable concept. And we all just experience that imposter syndrome through so many different means. Whether that means, like, whether that framework or that lens is because racially or honestly, like, there's so much imposter syndrome, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about talking about it for women you yeah. know, um, there's a whole imposter syndrome thing, like for what we know and experience as millennials, right, as like the grownups are the grownups, they know what the hell they're doing. And we don't know anything. There's there's so many different ways that this imposter syndrome f- plays out. And I want to help unpackage that and just talk through it, because what we've learned the older that we get is like how ridiculous it is and how inaccurate it is in, in terms of like. You're not actually an imposter. You actually have a really good head on your shoulders. You actually have it more figured out than you may think that you do or other people think. Um, you have it more figured out than other people think they have it figured out. And it's all just we're all kind of in our own heads about all of this. And I'm bringing it up specifically with you. And I was so inspired because we just got back from Sundance and I. Um, Marvin, myself, like a lot of teammates from collaboration, all these other Asian American orgs, we put together this this panel called Asian American Filmmakers Experience at Sundance. And it was a 14th annual experience. Um, and I stepped in kind of rose the ranks in terms of my role, because my friend Irene, who I've talked about on this podcast and dedicated an episode to her, Irene was the the coal and the engine and the wheels and the grease in a lot of ways behind that event at Sundance and um, her passing away suddenly last summer left this giant gaping hole and a lot of other people had to step in to make this happen which included me and in that we got to host this incredible day at Kickstarter house (laughs) um, where we just this is what I love to do. I love sitting down with people and having conversations and like hopefully creating an environment asking questions where people can be very real and honest and hopefully vulnerable in a safe space where they can just speak truth honestly instead of sugarcoating things. And I think that's exactly what happened and you're on that panel mm-hmm. and I'm very grateful to you because I got to learn about you through the Empower conference which you just you have this very very strong sense of self. Like you, you show up, <laughs> Tiffany girl, like sweet. you're, you, you, you don't shy away from who you are. And I think that's incredibly inspiring and empowering. And when I get to be spoiled to be around those people a lot, and then I step out into the world and I realize how rare that can be, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I feel like it's worth recording and putting on a platform. So again, hyping you up because I, it's not hype. I <laughs> well, fully believe it. it is a lot of hype, but yeah. I
0: appreciate it. And I, um, I think that, the APA filmmakers experience was particularly interesting because I think the whole day I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you kept here. saying that. That's why I want which to talk is, about this with you. Which is a problem because it, this is the other thing. As a filmmaker or as your and especially as a director, because people. That can affect you in your job, right? And it affects everything. It can, I affects feel everything, like. and, yeah. and I think it also it comes from this place where I think this is why for women, especially, but also as an Asian American thing, um, because we have a tendency to look to other people to tell us how to do things. There's right. like the whole expert thing, right? And like who am
1: I to whatever?
0: Yeah, and and it happens a lot as an Asian American woman. Um, I mean, I think I remember. Like Aang telling like so I work for Aang Lee on Life of Pi and I remember the first thing he told me when I told him I wanted to be a filmmaker is like this is going to be really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It was incredibly difficult for me because I'm Asian American and it's Asian and it's going to be even harder for you because you're a woman. Um, And, you know, that terrified me and like in my head I was like, OK, I automatically need to learn from all the best people out in the world right. to tell me how to do this. Right. Um, and this is after working for Ang Lee. So I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? With
1: no big deal. Whatever, um,
0: Lee. But there is this idea that, yeah, there's this idea that other people know how to do this.
1: And um, I don't. And I'm at there, And yeah,
0: and... I think that the thing is, you can't learn this stuff from other people. The only way you learn is by actually going out there and doing it. Right. Um, Even just speaking on the panel, I actually feel more qualified to do that again. Yeah. Even though I was terrifying doing it the first time. Yeah. And and that experience, you know, probably will make me a better speaker in the future. Right. Yeah. Just practice jumping in, even though it's going to suck and feel terrible.
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) Um. And, and yeah. I just like, I, I for this podcast, I'm just curious because there's so many ways that we could approach this topic of like imposter syndrome. The one thing that really resonates and I feel like is the most relevant right now is being a woman mm. and being creative and a leader and that by being like the director, the role of director, the title of director inherently implies like authority and it implies leadership. And I think that that is it's been a huge part of my life um in terms of roles that I played even stemming all the way back from like middle school and things like that. And so it in being in my 30s now and being able to reflect back on all of that like you know, you kind of just like how did I get here and you recognize these patterns of like, well I just kind of dove in, but what did I doubt at the same time? Um that's a really that's I think why when you spoke about that on the panel, why I was like I really want to sit down and talk about this with Tiffany because she she's articulate on it, she's thought about it, and now she's in this role where she's stepping into her power, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a really timely topic. Side note, though, I even thought about, like, there's so much, the other ways that imposter syndrome can play out is, like, what you're saying, um, racially, culturally, ethnically, etc. Like, I felt that even as American, like, when I traveled to, like, Europe and Asia, I was like, I don't have any authority to talk about XYZ. Like, I'm stupid about this. I don't know. Like, it's just... The overarching thing that I want to say right now is that it's just I want to dismantle this because it can be so crippling. It can like really just shut down your life from great experiences, great relationships. And it kind of like it's just it's like it's it's a very human thing for us all to experience. And in a way, it keeps us humble. And I think there's a to a degree it's it's healthy that's important to yes. be aware, like, hey, you can't just walk in and be like, I'm a fucking expert on this. Yeah. Listen it's to an me. Awareness.
0: But that's the thing, that's what white people do. White men do all the time <laughs> and we just accept it as like oh yeah, yeah, that, that that's the way you do it. Yeah. It's an amazing I mean, it's hard because at the same time, I hate it, right? Like, yeah, I hate it exactly. when a white mom walks into a room or any... Like, like arrogance is something that really, really bugs me. Is Entitlement really bugs me. And I think that's... From anybody. From anybody, yeah. right? It doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are. If you presume to to know everything, yeah. like, that, that bugs me. And yeah. I, I'm getting better at it, but I will call you out on it. But the flip side of that, then, is like at what point are you ever going to be confident enough in what you have to say or just be able to stand behind what you have to say? Right. And you don't have to be an asshole about it. Like, that's the other thing that it's like always the line. But I think growing up, part of what made this hard is, like, as a kid, first of all, as a kid, kids don't care about this shit. Care, kids will just do whatever they want. Like, yeah. up until the age of, like, 8 or 9, girls are powerhouses. Yeah. Or 10, 11. Making this documentary, I found, like, girls will – say what they think they don't care what other people think about them really they're just kind of like i'm just gonna get mine and then there's something happens in puberty and and society or something where where that shifts yeah and i think also just recognizing that it's not just us that like signals from society happen all the time do you know the number of times i've been told that i'm pushy or aggressive or i need to be in the center of attention and like the amount of shame that that makes me feel yeah That all feeds it. And recognizing it like somebody can tell you that, sure, but it doesn't have to be true to you. Absolutely. And that's really hard to deal with and something that I think about all the time. And as a kid, you kind of because you think everybody else knows better, you're like, oh, that's true. You would like assume the role like you
1: like that's 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 what drove me nuts later. Right. So I, I think you and I are kind of cut from the same cloth of like being very opinionated and having strong Thoughts on xyz and wanting to express that again that's a personality trait that maybe not all people have some people are a lot more introverted they're they're quieter about things but it, it all and as humans we all kind of need a space to be heard and understood and 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 just like be able to exist you know what and i'm saying seen yeah and to be seen and and that's the part like i very much resonate with what you're saying in terms of all these cues that i got from my parents from church from school about what was wrong with the way that I am, mm-hmm. um, even down to like let's be real, like people joke about my my personality when I was younger. Which actually, when I was really really young, I was really shy, and then I kept coming out of my shell. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was kind of pushed back into my shell. They're like, "No one's going to marry you if you talk like that," or yeah. you know. And I was very tomboy too, so you know just like always being cued to be more feminine and being more feminine included being like shut the fuck up yeah like stop talking so much and uh. when I was in um when I was working in Asia I was on
0: the uh Day like commercial shoot oh, and dear. I still remember I had been exhausted I think I stayed up all night we were working on the movie crazy things were going on I was so tired I went outside of the trailer and I finished a bottle of water and then I crushed it yeah you know because guys crush your water bottles because it takes up less space and it's better for the environment
1: yeah and then you put it throw it away throw
0: it away or recycle or, it. or recycle it yeah uh, but when i did this i heard the sound from a guy behind me be like oh and i was like what what and i turn around and this korean guy i think he was maybe the director of the film shoot and he was like what well, well, aren't, aren't you scared aren't you scared that like that that you're gonna scare away all the other men and I was like, "Wait, what are you talking about?" Yeah. He's like, "It's like a very man gesture." And I'm like, "What are you talking
1: about? <laughs> like, I'm saving
0: the environment, yeah, like, asshole!" It, it, it's it's a water bottle. It, it, the fact that I can crush a water bottle doesn't make me a man. It makes me not a weakling. Yeah. Like I don't understand why that is. And and I, in that moment, like, it was ridiculous to me, but only because probably because I like grew up in America and I had all these like of um, uh, like role models telling me that that is not. That is not okay, and even right. my mom told me that that wasn't okay. But even imagine someone else who didn't have that background, or if in that moment I'd been feeling particularly bad about something, I'd be like, "Oh God, maybe maybe I shouldn't crush a water bottle." I don't know, <laughs> exactly. And like, there is that that that's always that voice and right. something to contend with.
1: I mean, and it goes back, and I love that we're talking about our childhoods because it does stem back that far in terms of like again these these micro things that at the time are not going to mean that much to you they're kind of like oh well, that's weird and like oh that this kind of this feeling sucks but they, those accumulate over time mm-hmm. right and they really can do a lot to suppress and silence somebody's nature now we all change as people puberty changes us interacting with it with different types of leaders and going to different institutions can change us where we decide to go to school but i'm talking very meta because with women in particular, like I just don't feel like that part of our psyche is talked about enough mm-hmm. um, because we don't give ourselves permissions. I've been shamed by other women for being the way that I am. Like I still Often. feel mad imposter syndrome-y that I'm not feminine enough. Like when I'm around all these like super beautiful and I like look at them and I envy them. I'm like, you're so delicate and dainty. You're like everything that I'm not. Am I like legit have had questions question marks in my head where like, am I a, a proper woman? You know, like, and I had dated guys, one in particular, who like made it a point to constantly con like call me out literally 20 times a day on the tone of my voice, the way that I spoke, the amount that I cursed, um, my posture, everything. And he's very Korean, like older Korean guy, but like, It just ate away at like any sense of self-confidence that I had or like that I'm a proper woman, like all those things. And when you're 15, 16 years old and you just don't feel like you have any place to do, be, say or anything that you are naturally. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is completely separate than just like having manners. Like I know how to be (laughs) if I'm in like a wedding and like in a, if I was in the Supreme Court, I'd be quiet. Like I would figure out my place. But. It's just, you know, it's it, like that stuff that infuriates me, hurts me, and um, exhausts me. Yeah. Like the ideals that are around beauty, especially for
0: Asian women, Yeah, is a whole thing. Like, I am a normal sized American girl. I would say You're that. Lovely. And when me. I went back to Taiwan, like, the biggest fear I had was being talked about because of
1: not being a twig yeah and like that With, is the thing clear is like not having bleached skin and double island
0: yeah and, and like there is all of this stuff that comes up and, and it and like that i don't know it sits deep in you even if like i like you know for me understanding that and not taking it as like oh this makes me this makes me worse and horrible and yeah. sucky, and and all of that and
1: That's just, it's, and it It happens everywhere. I have two brothers, and, you know, I want them to understand me and like my struggle. And they've been through a lot of, you know, family drama. And we've thankfully have that bond where we can talk a lot of things out. And I am the talker in my family. But, like, my dad's also a talker. Like, we we discuss a lot and don't agree on a lot, but at least we're getting it out there. And in unpackaging that, I wanted them to understand, like, look, you're not consciously trying to contribute to this. But as men, there are ways that the things that you guys do say, think, like, that paradigm that you live in, it it affects me. I'm not trying to like say it's all your fault but like if you're not aware of how problematic it is then we're never gonna get anywhere is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do and I'm trying to do that from a place of compassion because as much as I like can gripe or like be upset with like the patriarchy which I am Hmm. I love good men and I know that there are good men out there and I know it's like this balancing act but I mean that's being very like talking about everything's like a dichotomy which it's not it's very layered it's complex but kind of feeding into all these things like we've talked about beauty and we've talked about um our loudness or like our personality traits and things like that and the way that we prioritize and how much weight all of that holds into who we are as people Mm -hmm. like for me the you know coming back to the original thing of the imposter syndrome as two women who play leadership roles you and i like Again, it's it it, to historically speaking, like if we look at the data, vast majority is like, you know, still to this day, 90% men, right? 90, 90% male. And so that has dictated a lot of what even like a leader means. Mm hmm. Like you, if you said okay, like let's describe a leader. Well, they're strong and they're outspoken. Blah, yeah, blah, they're, blah.
0: they have vision. They are decisive. Right. They don't question
1: themselves. Right. Right. So then it they, it poses a really interesting problem and struggle with a lot of like I've met some of the smartest, freaking, most incredible people. A lot of them, you know. Women, gay, trans, like a lot of people who have been pushed to the side as like not having merit to be any of those things, like the leader, right? And some of that can be so self imposed, right? Because we're cued by these outside forces. And I'm not trying to sit here self victimize, but you just sit there and you're like, well, who am I to do anything? Who am I to run the show or like run this meeting or make the agenda or? Speak out in front of people. I don't know.
0: And that comes out in how we try to take on those roles, right? Right. Like, I think something that you have to understand that that at least something that I've learned and maybe this isn't everybody's case. But like I've been on set um, with guys who like they just knew what they wanted and had no problem asking for it. Yeah. And the problem that I've always found is like I know what I want. But I don't always know how to ask for it. Right. Because it's so hard. I hardly ever ask for anything. Right. Not only ask for it, but like demand it and yeah. command it. Not in an asshole way, but yeah. like be clear enough in, in what you want and be okay with the fact that you're asking for it. This is really interesting. So one thing that may be like, yes, be aware of all of the outside societal things that are making you feel this way. But then also be aware of how you're manifesting it. For sure. And it's yes. really hard to have that kind of clarity. So. I still remember when I was in film school. Um, we were doing an exercise where we had to direct in front of all your classmates. Actually, you have to direct your classmates to do things, and I was horrified and mortified. <laughs> but you know, I was like, "All right, but I'm going to do it." Um, and I'm going through it, and I'm—I know that I'm feeling rushed and—and and not so. I, I don't know. I generally don't feel great. Like when I in that time, I was like, I didn't feel great about doing this thing, especially when I feel like everybody's looking at me. And the end at the end of class. You know our teacher came gathered all us around and and was talking about the shoot, and he was like, "So tiffany, like one thing that I wanted to point out is that it's really important for like the leader, the director sets the tone for the entire um set and one thing that I noticed is that you kept apologizing, and I was like, "Wait, what <laughs> and he was like you." it's it felt like you know you were prepared you had all the shots and you were ready for everything but whenever you asked people to do things you'd be like oh I'm sorry can you do this or I'm sorry can Mm -hmm, you do that mm -hmm. and and it's really difficult to really get behind someone who is apologizing for doing what they're doing right like it's hard to even if you have a really clear vision and you know what you want that automatically (laughs) you're undermining yourself right and I swear to God, I tried, I, I think I didn't cry in class, but I definitely went somewhere and yeah. cried because yeah. that's, that's maybe the worst thing to find out is, is when you find out that you're the re like you are, not only do you not feel up to the job, but things that you are doing are actively hurting you <laughs> yes. to doing your job. Yes. And but i think it's also so important and good that i had the opportunity for someone to point that out to me for sure because you can't see it you when you're in it like the forest you can't see the forest through the trees you're just like oh my god i'm just trying really hard and, and why isn't it working why do people look at me like i'm like i'm crazy and 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 maybe the fact that i'm talking like this isn't inspiring <laughs> a lot of confidence in anybody right like that's And and that's something that you have to go through before you know
1: that that's something that's real for you and something that you have to contend with. Absolutely. Um, And the thing is that the thing that I am wary of, which I don't think, you know, I think times are changing so drastically, which is amazing. But my concern with all of that would be, are they even going to get to that point where they can go through it? That's the part for my generation of the way I grew up to me, I kind of look back and I'm like, it's kind of miraculous that I even went through certain things because that former inversion of myself, I'm like, what possessed you to like go for? It? Just I remember the state of mind that I was in and the the confidence that I did not have and the self-esteem that was like crushed and the, the people around me that I cut out and the people that I allowed in to like further like push me down and bully me into submission and to feel like even worse about myself. What possessed me to like fight on and enter that space where i would be vulnerable to that kind of feedback to recognize okay i'm not as great as i thought i would be but that's again the only way that you learn mm-hmm. it's all kind of like funny um but that also to me i kind of try- take the silver lining from that i was like well it's because you do have a fighting spirit and because you do have something in you that you want to contribute and that's the part that i want to feed into into whoever's listening to this podcast or whoever I meet, or whatever projects I make, that that intention I want to infuse into what I do. It's not to take away from like the hardship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's to say it's not the hardship that defines you; it's the going through it that yeah. makes you grow. And for anybody who's walking out there feeling like they're a fraud for a lot of different reasons, and we're diving into more of like the female perspective, which again is rarely discussed. I want that to be understood because I think that also on the flip side, which I want to like talk about further with you is people want to help like if people understood how much of an imposter you felt like you're being there are endless number of people that would like either give you tools resources or just moral support to like be like no tiffany you're, you're the shit you got this and i've been so lucky to have people around me who like really believe in me including my brothers and like friends and my mom and like people that i thought would maybe tear me down or just like find out that I, you know like further validate that I'm a fraud. <laughs> yeah. They end up being like, "No, what are you what are you talking about? You can do this." I think that oh god, that's it's interesting
0: because at the same time as feeling all of these things, um, I've also gone through conflicts of feeling like, "But will I should I really talk about it?" Because because and this is something I actually experienced on the APA Experience panel thing, right? Um, Talking about how I felt nervous and and going through that. And I'm really glad that everyone on the panel was so willing to talk about it. Um, But still afterwards, I think I remember someone coming up to me being like, oh, yeah, like, so what do you do? And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, no, I'm like trying to remember was on the panel. And I remember, you know, you felt nervous and you had the imposter syndrome. And 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 and, and I think you had a film here. And I was like, no, (laughs) right, because because there is this concern that even by talking about it, you're undermining yourself Mm -hmm. on a level. Right. Like, yeah. and, and, And it's funny, too, like the number of people who are like. I didn't know you felt that way. You're so confident all the time. And I'm like, Oh God, what have I done? Like at the same time, I have that going through my head. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's always, it's good to have a safe space to be able to talk about it. Right. Um, to feel like, to feel like saying it doesn't mean <laughs> that I don't know what I'm doing. Right.
1: Um, But it's good to be aware that like the more, again, kind of like my law of attraction itself, but like the more you, the more you kind of double down on that that mentality, sometimes that it can work it sh- against you. It can work against. It you. It can work against you, and like you can further actually be an imposter. No, but it, like it's it just will, kind it of will, like
0: that voice becomes stronger right. in your head, right? And and that will that can then affect how you approach things in, the, in in the future. And I think that it's good to have the conversation that you can feel this way, but then stress also like what you've done and what you know how right. to do so right. like because the one thing about imposter syndrome is that it's um it colors everything in your head and mm-hmm. the whole point is that it's like a pair of glasses that you're wearing with like dirty lenses and the whole thing is that you need to clean those lenses off so that you can see things for what they are and i'm not great yes at that. yes but like try i think that's a thing like talking about it hopefully allows people to look at what they've done and feel proud for it right don't be an asshole about it but you can have take confidence pride. in yourself yeah like, like take that like i learned these specific lessons from that i want to work on these specific lessons right moving up to take the emotion i think a lot of probably what happens from the imposter syndrome is it all comes from this place of like i'm not worthy i'm not good enough right. and it's all emotional and, yeah yeah and that um the that isn't gonna help you do what you want to do right and that focus on what you do want focus on what you do want and focus on the pieces of your experience that are going to help you get there mm-hmm. because unless you start building up that other voice the imposter syndrome voice is just going to keep pulling you down.
1: Absolutely. Um, and that's never going to go away on its own. That's the other thing that I wanted to talk about in the imposter syndrome thing is that I think that there, what I learned over time is how to distinguish between imposter syndrome and humility. Like, I think I always want, I, because I have such a, I'm so at odds with people who are arrogant and, like, entitled. I was like, I never want to become that. So I'd rather, like, it's, it's a mix. It's a blurry line, right? But then I realized, no, what I actually want to be is, talented and confident but humble i don't ever want to like get too ahead of myself but also recognizing the people that and it also kind of took external people like oh these people are incredible but they seem to be really good with themselves you know they're they're not assholes they just they know what they're good at they contribute that and that's it and then they they don't they don't have to be like loud and obnoxious about it they just kind of let and that's the people those are the people i admire so it helped me to understand okay this imposter syndrome is a real thing and i've i've been grappling with that for a number of years but what's the solution that i want to get out of that i just want to feel good that i can contribute something of value Mm -hmm. that's what i want to do yeah um and play my part and do it well like i love doing i love getting you know i was like the stupid straight A. Nerd, because I liked the feeling of getting the a, yeah. and I wanted to feel smart and competent that I could achieve that, so there 's nothing wrong with like being confident and knowing that you have things of value to to do and say and contribute, but also just going back don 't be an asshole about it. The opposite of the imposter syndrome was not to become an arrogant asshole
0: yeah, and I mean maybe i 'm not sure i don 't have all the answers in any way, shape or form, but yeah. like the fear of being an asshole also maybe um keeps you back yeah like worst case scenario you are an asshole for a moment yeah laugh it off don't do it again yeah like, it's not the worst okay, thing sorry in the world. my bad right like you know what like freaking steve jobs and apologizing <laughs> for being an asshole <laughs> all of these guys like it's so what if someone calls you an asshole It's just like if someone calls you like a loser, it's the same. It's the same thing. And like questioning or trying to be objective about maybe questioning your own preconceptions. Right. Maybe. Right. Right. Like being aware, like it would almost I would actually be I don't want to be an asshole, but like. I would actually be happy if at some point someone called me an asshole. I've had that
1: same thought.
0: <laughs> right? Like why not? Why not be a, a like and why like why does it have to be a bitch? And why am I scared of the term of someone calling me a bitch? Or be- why is being an aggressive lady like I know it sounds so negative, but why don't we just do it and then reclaim it somehow? I I, yeah. I I don't know. Like there's this all like thinking in your head of
1: like but you can't do this, but you can't do that and well, then, it's like, just like that fear of like always like not being nice. Right, yeah. like I, I, st- I really kind of have. The more I say that word, and it comes up in conversation, I was like I want to be a kind person. I don't care. Like I'm caring less about being a nice person. It just doesn't th- that that's horrible. It's a, it, it sounds like because <laughs> well, you know, and I because I have enough life experience under my belt to be like, wow, I was really nice, but at the expense of my own, yeah, my own peace of mind and my own having a backbone or like you know what what was was nice was being nice worth it um so all those things come into play and that's ugh, i just love that we're talking about this out loud <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i mean the people who i admire a lot of the time people who have a very clear voice yes some they can be nice and badasses at the same time yes. and you you figure it out also a lot of people admire total assholes unfortunately and then you're like why but but you find your own way and trust yourself to find your own way. Um, That's maybe the hardest thing to do.
1: But if you talk about it,
0: maybe it makes it a little easier.
1: Absolutely. And hopefully this podcast, I don't know. I feel like you are just, you're the best person that I could have thought of Uh, (laughs) to bring this up. And, and I'm very grateful that you have taken the time to talk to me about this. Thank you for having
0: me. And thank you for talking about it and having a platform for people to listen and, and, Again, we don't all have the answers, but unless we we keep talking about it, those will present present themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. We're we're all figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. But That's thank okay. you. I, I, I That's you okay. Something. It's okay. It's all okay. It's all okay. Um, Tiffany, if people want to find out more about your films, like told, this is plug time. I want people to be able to watch your work, <laughs> see all the incredible things that you've done, and will continue to do. Where can people find you? All
0: right. So you guys can watch my short film, Wonderland, starring the illustrious Joan Chen and debuting her daughter, Audrey Hui, on HBO platforms, HBO Go, HBO Now. Just search Wonderland and it'll come up. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram um, at notorious t i f and um, I love your Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> I will say after watching notorious r v g the r v g documentary I'm like I don't think I deserve it but I'm going to it's it's an aspirational yes. aspirational handle. Um I put that out in the universe. Exactly and there I go and remind myself again. Yeah. And then Why? Um, Why? I have a website tiffsuufilms.com.
1: Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you. Oh, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No,
0: no, no. I was just saying, thank you for having me.
1: Yes. And if you'd like to support this podcast, uh, I do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Real Talk. I don't really update it that much. I'm working on it. If you want to follow my personal Instagram, you can follow me at Minjeezy, M-I-N-J-E-E-Z-Y. I am part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Shout out to all of my fellow Asian American podcasters who are sharing hilarious, deep, random insightful stories um, from the Asian American perspective if you enjoy this podcast please subscribe and leave a 5 star review thank you to everybody who has subscribed and left a review it's incredibly uplifting it makes me feel less like an imposter Um, (laughs) and it really just feeds into hopefully getting more amazing content to you guys um you can find me on radio public spotify uh google play stitcher apple Podcasts, everywhere you can find podcasts and i want to thank marvin yue my producer my audio engineer for being along with me on this journey thank you to aquafina and allowing me to use her song yellow ranger check her out in crazy rich asians and oceans 8 later this year she's a bomb and i hope you guys have an amazing week we next time for the next episode of First of All. Thank you. I got this dollar for my link. Profession is the in turning red when I'm drinking. I'm massive paying pussy like I was a blink. Yeah. Squirting out that coolates a lot as that just sinking it,